Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos, coming at you back from San Francisco, where we were joined earlier this week by a state senator who's been intimately involved in the wildfire discussion in Sacramento in recent years. That's right. Napa Senator Bill Dodd came by on Tuesday as PG&E was threatening more blackouts because of uh, ripe fire conditions. And of course, now, Marisa, things have taken a turn for the worse up in Sonoma County, where there is a very large blaze threatening homes as of uh, Thursday morning and uh, many people leaving their homes, thousands of people. And there's always that fear, I think. You know, the one thing about earthquakes is they happen and then they're over. Mm -hmm. And then you have to deal with the aftermath. But with these things, you just don't know uh, where it's going to go. The wind could shift. You have no idea. No, I mean, waking up this morning, it feels so similar even in San Francisco to the way it did two years ago when those terrible blazes broke out out in the North Bay. And I know we've been hearing from our reporters in the field all day that anxiety that residents up there feel, even in Santa Rosa, you know, which is very far away from the blaze, but just because it feels similar. And I got to say, I feel it down here, too. You know, it just you feel the fire weather. It's so hot. It's dry. Um, You know, the air quality we're going to have to keep an eye on, even if we're not in the immediate area. And it just it does feel like this new, terrible yearly event. Yeah, it is. It is the new normal. Of course, there's nothing normal about it. I think Jerry Brown called it the new abnormal. Uh, But it is, uh, you know, climate change. And there's no I don't think I have not heard any evidence that this latest fire was caused by any electrical wires. But of course, it'll take some time. Yeah, we do know. I know the Chronicle is reporting that the transmission lines were still up, even though they had cut uh, power to a lot of those places. And, of course, that is something that we have been covering a lot here at KQED and studying. Um, And, Scott, you know, we have this uh, partnership with Change Research um, polling on the presidential race. um, And we'll get to that in a second. But they added some extra questions to their poll that ran October 15th to 18 around those power shutoffs and people's sort of opinions of PG&E and some interesting stuff out of that. Some interesting stuff. I mean, not surprisingly, PG&E has a very high unfavorability rating, I think 61%. Up from like 49% just this spring. Yeah, so. but as you noted in the article you wrote online, Marisa, if at the same time, 55% say, well, I'd rather have a power outage than have a wildfire. It does reflect that the really difficult choices that are being made here. But, you know, this is a company that people have really lost faith in. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple other interesting things in this poll quickly. I think, of course, you're going to say I would rather, you know, have my power shut off than risk losing my home. But there's still a lot of anger. We've seen this from the governor um, who actually received pretty low marks in this poll. But he's been out there very like, you know, really talking strongly, kind of hitting PG&E and other utilities for what he sees as a sort of botched rollout of the blackouts we've seen in recent weeks. And even they acknowledge that. I mean, yeah. it was a mess. Um, but, you know, to me, who's been covering, you know, the sort of political fallout from PG&E and the bankruptcy and the fires they've caused, a couple of 
quickly interesting things. One is that there's just a deep skepticism around the sort of how the system is set up, these investor-owned utilities. A lot of people saying, a majority, that Wall Street shouldn't be involved in sort of trading stocks on something that we all rely on. Um, Although people, you know, said like 40 percent said they would support breaking pg up into smaller regional utilities, only 30 percent said they want public power. So, you yeah. know, it, well, it, it, it speaks to how complicated it does. And we, you know, we did talk with Senator Dodd about that. We'll hear from him in a minute. But there's always, you know, whenever you mess with something as massive as utilities that, that affects everybody in one way or another, if you change it in a fundamental way, you just don't know what the unintended or unforeseen consequences Absolutely. are going to be. And it is. There's a lot of complication here. And I think the test we're going to be watching is how Newsom um, and his administration really deal with this. It could, you know, I think it could really be an albatross for him. And I think that he, this is a moment where we're going to see, you know, the rhetoric is one thing, but what what actions are taken in the coming months. And then just quickly, we also, in that uh, poll with Change Research, uh, Marisa, you alluded to the presidential poll. And uh, as it was last month, uh, Elizabeth Warren still out in front with 28 percent of uh, uh, people who are likely to vote in the Democratic primary, followed by Bernie Sanders, who got a bit of an uptick at 24 percent. Joe Biden, former vice president, 19. Mayor Pete uh, Buttigieg at nine. And then Kamala Harris, 20 points back now from the from the leader, Elizabeth Warren, which is, you know, she's lost ground. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we always say take these polls with a grain of salt. You know, I do think people are paying attention, uh, but so much can happen between now and uh, when people start voting in California, which is actually early February. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. I think you've seen Warren really maintain this front runner status. But I think there are questions about who her base is and whether she can pull in more men, more people of color, because those definitely are skewing towards other candidates. uh, Bernie with with higher support among men, Biden with higher support among African-Americans, for example. Um, And then also we just heard Biden is going to skip the third Democratic confab in California this year. Um, This is the state party, which is holding its nominating or its uh, endorsement convention in Long Beach. I'll be there. Kind of interesting that he's just skipping out once again. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of understand not wanting to go uh, to three of them, (laughs) you know, but maybe showing up once because then you really begin to get some animosity if you're if you're just completely not there at all. like it's 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 a, it is a political thing, bees. right? Like bees. you you can really work that uh, process if you are doing a good job. And his campaign says he is, but we'll see. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by State Senator Bill Dodd from Napa. He's got a lot to say about PG&E and the power outages. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. 
Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer, along with Marisa Lagos. We're happy to be joined by someone from California wine country. Looking for a bottle of cab maybe in his pocket? We'll see. State Senator Bill Dodd, his district includes Napa and Sonoma counties. He's been a key player in legislation around PG&E's role in California wildfires. We'll talk about all that and more. But Senator Dodd, welcome to the breakdown. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You know, we all, coming into town. Coming in, yeah. yeah. We, always, oh. we always like to talk uh, with our guests about their childhood and their families, okay? So we're going to start there. We'll get to the other stuff in due time. But your family on your mom's side goes way back. We're talking covered wagons, right? We are. Uh, I'm a direct descendant of uh, uh, Martin Murphy, who uh, came over with his family uh, in 1843, I believe. Pre-Donner Party. Pre-Donner Party. They did it right. They got all the way here. (laughs) Had all their provisions. I'm not going to say it wasn't without (laughs) fanfare or trouble or... But they were a very resilient group and got here and first settled in the town of Murphy's. I have family roots there, too, by marriage. But the Mitchler family, they were there around the same time, apparently running an inn or something. And then they came down to Sutter's Fort and stayed there a while. And they ended up coming all the way down to Sunnyvale and settling uh, in Sunnyvale. And it turns out that... uh, uh, you know, he had a son, Martin Murphy, Murphy Jr., who was with him that day. Martin Murphy Jr., his uh, fame was uh, helping uh, fund the initiation or the establishment of Santa Clara University. Oh. Our producer, Guy Marzarati, is an alum. There very you go. benevolent uh, family. Also, uh, alumni of Santa Clara, of course, our own governor. That's right. So, uh, so you guys have more in common than just wine. How about that? And it turns <laughs> out that... Uh, Martin Murphy Jr.'s son, uh, one of them was Bernard Murphy, who was the mayor of San Jose and also was a state senator and a state assembly member. Oh, so you have some uh, family shoes you're still filling. And another son that was uh, the a state as- assembly member and senator from down in San Luis Obispo. Wow. And so, so, so how did you guys end up in Napa, your well, side? Uh, my dad went to Stanford. Boo, all the Cal fans booing. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Uh, but he uh, established a business up in Napa and Solano and Sonoma counties, and uh, and so he, you know here we are. And so you were born there. I was born in Napa, born and raised in Napa. And you uh, grew up, I think, on a on a farm, right? A, farm. a family farm. Uh, what were they growing? We were growing walnuts. And in those days, my dad, all my dad hoped, because he had another career, but all he hoped that it would pay the property taxes. And, you know, it's a really amazing compared to the way it is today. The values of the land in those days were nothing. Mm-hmm. And there weren't many grapes, right? No. The, well, there wasn't a lot of grapes. It was still the, the big Christian Brothers, uh, Charles Krug Winery, Louis Martini. Those were the big players in the Napa Valley. So your dad was working at his job, which we'll get to in a second, because I know you went into that line of work. But your mom, I mean, was she kind of running this farm herself? Yes, she did. We had, I think we had about two or three acres of grapes, and the balance were in in walnuts. And we, it was a family affair, believe me, at the very, very beginning. And we, you know, we had help, but, uh, you know, shaking the trees and everything and filling up a whole gunny sack. Most people out there won't even know what a gunny sack is, but <laughs> filling one of those things and you get like 50 cents. I, I actually pick prunes down the street because a much smaller box, 
you know, you would get 35 cents and you could do a lot more boxes. So uh, <laughs> I figured that out early, but boy, it was it was tough work. We know that you went to high school in Napa, right? Yes. And in fact, we wanted to ask you about camshaft and the oil slicks. You guys have done some <laughs> digging on this We got one. the article here. Holy we got the, We have the receipts. This is a photo of Bill Dodd in high school That's playing right, in a parody band, is it? Well, yeah, we had a, it was a 50s band. Um we had a good guitar player that was in our group of, of friends, and he had other lead guitar player and drummer that he had access to. Where'd you, where'd you come up with that name? I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, you know. I think we'd all heard of a camshaft before and oil slicks. But you know, what it was is you, you know, we had lead singers, and then we had the backups, you know, the doo-wop guys, and those were the, you know, the oil slicks. And we just we played for a talent show at – Justin Sienna High School, which is uh, the Christian Brothers High School in Napa. And uh, lo and behold, we won first place. And then we started thinking, hey, we could get good at this, This is the big time, yeah. And so we started being like a backup band going around. Actually, you might remember. (laughs) The old guy. The old guy (laughs) might remember. Not as old as I am, but (laughs) Lydia Pants and Cold Blood, the Bay Area band that was – playing in the 70s and 80s, we followed them around uh, to a bunch of fairs. And then we played high school dances and everything. It was it was, it was was really a ball. Well, this was, picture you're kind of looking at, you got the white T-shirt rolled up. Yeah, very... It's like a pack of cigarettes in the sleeves, smoked. Yeah. Like kind of a James Dean-esque there you go. look. Is that what you were going for? That was what I was going for. Yeah. You All got right. it. All right. And you played football, too, in high school. I did. Yeah. Football, what baseball. position did you play? I played uh tight end, and actually guard after I blew out my knee in my uh, junior year. What do you think about all the debate now for football? Like, would you, I mean. Now that debate is turning between my wife and I on whether or not we would allow uh, our grandchildren. I said, first of all. It's not up to us. are not going to allow us (laughs) to to tell them what to do. (laughs) It's their decision. But I would. I, I think that these helmets uh, uh, are being developed. I, I'd really want to look at it closer. Mm-hmm. Look at there are battle scars. You know, you got to look at that side too. You went and worked for your dad's water company, and I just want you to explain to me what the heck you guys did because I'm very confused by this, having grown up with municipal water everywhere I've lived. Right. So in a lot of areas of the state of California, and a lot of the areas around the country, uh, the water is very hard. Hard water. So what he started out, he started a company that was called ServiceOft, and they had water softening devices that would be sold or uh, rented in people's homes all throughout Napa and, and Sonoma and Solano counties. And um, in the ensuing, I went into business right away in 1978 upon graduation. And I would say in the ensuing 10 years, we probably grew threefold. It was pretty amazing growth. So you guys were selling those devices to, like, individual consumers? Yeah, and, and also uh, uh, industry. All these new wineries that were coming to the Napa oh. Valley, most of them were on uh, well water, which has iron, hardness, smell, you know, taste and odor. So they might not have needed just a softener. They might have needed an iron filter, you know, Got it. any number of things. And then also we were there at the time where that Interstate 80 – uh, industrial boom was happening. So we had customers like Mid Valley Dairy, Sunnyside Farms. They do the milk, big milk thing there in Fairfield. And also Anheuser-Busch, 
uh, Clorox. Those are all clients. Canning customers. Yeah. So are so, you selling this? You're, like, are you the salesman or were you kind of doing more management, big picture? Well, no, stuff? at the beginning, I was, you know, my dad was a big believer that you're not even getting into management until you've done every job. He was a tough taskmaster, but he also became, you know, uh, he was my boss. Um, he was my friend. And, um, Seems like it was a good know, experience. A mentor. Yeah. And it was just, uh, he died uh, in 1991, very, very early. And um, yeah, I'll tell you, he taught me uh, so much. I've just got so many great memories of being able to work with him. And, you know, Fort, he always said, you know, I gave that kid all the rope uh, he needed to, to hang himself. And <laughs> fortunately, he never did. <laughs> so you were there for, I think, like uh, 20 years at the water company? 25. Yeah? 25 years. And then you ran for county soup. Can we right. back up, though? Like, is that, like, was your family political at all? I know you grew up, you were a Republican, but, you know, was this oh, something? That. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, that. <laughs> we'll get to that in a we'll second, get to that. too. But... So, no, you know, um, actually, my dad was president of the California Young Republicans in like 1950-something. Okay. I've seen stuff. You know, I, you know after uh, my mom died, I went back in and I saw these things. I saw a, a, a picture from Richard Nixon, unbelievably, said, To Bill Dodd, best wishes, Richard M. Nixon, picture of him. Uh, and that was dated 1960. I'm going, wow. Wow, he was like uh, running for president then. Yeah. What, I think he was exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how did you uh, switch? Why did you switch from the Republican Party? You you ran for county supervisor in Napa in two thousand one, right. and I think you switched right around that time. No, or was it was a little later. It was later. It was way, before you ran for the it was assembly. Way later. But yeah. you know what happened was is, you know, is often the case. I think, um, you know, particularly I, I never was involved in partisan politics. I was not really active in the Republican Party. Uh, at, at, at all. I'm not disavowing anything because... Uh, that was a different party back then. It was a, a totally different party back then. But, um, you know, when I ran for the Board of Supervisors and I won, and I won against it in a Democratic district as a Republican, I was the local boy, the favorite son, if you will, you know, at the time. And we worked very hard. I even had my kids out knocking on doors. It was nuts. A year in advance. Fear of defeat is a huge motivator. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> But uh, it was one of those things where I toured, you know, the Health and Human Services Department in Napa. And, you know, before that, I was not very enlightened in terms of what nonprofits there were, what the safety net systems were in cities and counties, how that all worked. And, you know, I, you know, oh, you know, my favorite charities when I first got in there were like the Symphony League, and they do a good job, the high school, local Catholic high school and the hospital. Mainstream well, things. Mainstream. But most people don't really get behind the scenes, healthy moms and babies and, and the mental health organizations that are in all our communities and the senior-focused ones that uh, for elders. And all, you know, I just got – and also then the law enforcement part of it. You learn all this stuff, and all of a sudden you say, wow, you know, there's really more. There's a lot of people that are living in my community that I've enjoyed all these years – and I, I can't believe that I'm now just witnessing this for the first time at like, I think it was, well, it was 20 years ago. So at age 43. So it was like a real kind of enlightening. Yeah. It, was, it, it really was. It was an epiphany. And uh, to the point where I think of 2006 was the first time the Democrats were saying, hey, 
you're voting with us right now on all <laughs> these really you? important things. your registration. And I said, well, you know, I'm just going to pick winners and losers if I do that. And just to finish the story, I had a real – I was running a major uh, road tax bill in, in Napa County. Imagine a Republican – Taxing people for their roads and streets to try to make them so that they they're going to kick me out, holes. make me join the Democrats. <laughs> and uh, the Tea Party at that time, not the mainstream Republicans, but the the Tea Party was just, you know, you know, just you we just didn't get it. Yeah, they were just it was awful, and I couldn't even get through them. And somebody that had been understands what their plight is, don't always agree with it, and. Uh, there was moments of disrespect that I finally, sometime I think in 2012 or 2013, finally just changed my party registration. Yeah. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer along with Marisa Lagos. And our guest this week is State Senator Bill Dodd. His district includes Napa and Sonoma counties. He's been a key player in legislation around PG&E's role in California welfare. And I think we really need to talk about that. We need to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just. Enough of all this. Enough <laughs> of this fun stuff. Let's talk about yeah. the, so, the crisis facing. Yeah. So this week we're probably. And we should be just be perfectly transparent here. We're talking with you on Tuesday. It looks like there are going to be more blackouts this week, potentially, yes. uh, throughout California, maybe in your district. Like, where do you see things at, at, at the moment? I mean, there have been a number of package of bills that the governor signed around these things, many of them you authored. But, you know, where do you see the situation with regard to PG&E? Well, you know, I'm one that always likes to give everybody the opportunity to make, you know, a good first impression. And with Bill Johnson there. The CEO. Uh, CEO. Uh, he's been in my office a couple times, very affable, straightforward, uh, individual, uh, you know, and, and look at, there's only so much he can say and do in front of the, you know, in, in front of the media kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, if, if Donald Trump were, was the president of PG&E, he'd probably come out and say, yeah, we didn't even need to do it. And then deny saying it the next day. <laughs> but Bill doesn't do it that way. I, I don't agree with him on, on this 30-county shutoff. I'm really worried. The last one. The last one. 30 counties, and they just transferred the risk from their, um, you know, from their portfolio to their ratepayers. And in doing so, and not having the wind events, really significant wind events, where are, when is the public or how is the public supposed to trust PG&E the next time right. one comes up? I mean, Senator, you and I have talked about this a lot because yeah. you, I think, um, maybe accidentally in the beginning stumbled into these PG&E issues of liability and inverse condemnation. And I mean, you the 2017 fires, we should say, in the North Bay, I mean, you could see the burn line from your office up there. Well, on October 8th, 2017, when I woke up that morning, I never thought or imagined yeah. that I would be doing all these things, electrical PG&E, CAL FIRE. You know, grid, PSPS. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. I just wonder, like, at this point, I mean, you know, as Scott said, the legislature did a lot this year, but we're still, we have PG&E telling us this could go on for another 10 years. Um, obviously, the 2017 fires were not the only problem this company has faced. You can go back to San Bruno. You can go back, I mean, really to the first <laughs> bankruptcy. But at this point, do you fully support them staying in their current form? I mean, do you think we should be having a conversation about breaking them up, making them public, anything like that? I think any and all discussions of people that know what they're talking about is really important. And I would like the governor, I'm calling on the governor, you know, he's had the strike force for SB 901 that was fantastic. It gave us data, really hard data that we need. As legislators, you know, 
a lot of legislators and also local elected officials generally are jack-of-all-trades, masters of none, but really public-minded. So when something comes up like this, you know, you either learn it or get the hell out of the way and let somebody else do it. And so um, uh, when we when he had and, and he's had these uh, you know strike forces on a number of different things, and I'd like to see him. Let's pull in some electrical engineers. Let's pull in some people that really know and understand this, and also the finance end of it. And let's figure out what is the art of the possible. Mm with our electrical grid going forward. This is insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results with PG&E. So do you think that uh, cities like San Jose and San Francisco, who are looking at possibly acquiring you know, the grid and the, 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 the ability to control the power themselves, they think, you think that's like a reasonable thing? No. You know, look, it, 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 hopefully it will end up being, but there's no, there's no reason why San Francisco, let's say in Santa Clara, Oakland, whatever, get transferred away from the grid and leave all because that power is still coming through all those troubled areas. Right. I mean, we're not. So they get out of get out of jail card. We're all in this together with our grid. All the energy, every kilowatt hour that comes through, comes through these rural areas. We've all got to stick together until we figure out a plan. That makes it work for everybody. Because the last one standing with PG&E, for example, maybe that be in the North Bay because we're the furthest away, our ratepayers are going to pay way too much. So the strike force, I think, would have uh, you know, people of, with financial capability, engineering, electrical engineering capability that could help us you know, look at that. And then down the line, in terms of distribution, we have CCAs today, community choice aggregation mm-hmm. systems. We have distributed you know, energy systems. So I, I think there can be another way. I'm not opposed to it. Do you think, okay, because something that really struck me this year, you talked about you know, people on the finance side. And I would say that Wall Street came to Sacramento this spring and put the fear of God into everyone in the Capitol. And, you know, and I went with the bond rating questions and these sort of, you know, broad threats around what would happen, not just to PG&E. And I just wonder if you feel like, I don't know, like, in a way, if lawmakers have been sold a bill of goods on that, if there's a way to sort of stand up, because what they're talking about is the current structure and they're, they don't want to change it because they're all making money off of it. Well, that's right. And, you know, the there's at least two groups right now that are really serious. The shareholders, of course, and they came in, you know, asking us for a lot. And at the end of the day, we looked at it and said, if we support what they want, we are not protecting our ratepayers. And that became clear in the Capitol that nobody was going to do that. And then they brought it back after the break. Still, nobody was going to do it. The other side, you know, frankly, uh, I'm not one of those that really laments like so many, you know, Wall Street and corporations and all that. They're, you look, we're a capitalistic society. We got to take the good with the bad. But let me tell you, uh, I've seen the bad. And I've seen it in the shareholder group and what's happened that we, they have not had a safety a culture in their boardroom and their executive suite. You know, I, you know, this next group, the bondholders, the, the, the bond debt holders that yeah. come in, they're coming in to protect the billions, hundreds of billions of dollars in bonds that they have outstanding. Because if they don't protect that, 
uh, they're going to lose it. But isn't that an argument in some ways against capitalism in this case, against not capitalism per se, but against an investor owned utility that is publicly traded? Like, is that system working for Californians? Well, it, it would be idiotic for me to say, yes, that is working for the state of California. Uh, you know, I think what led to this is deregulation, you know, in the state of California, not regulating them. So here's where we are, you know, as a result of that. But now the, uh, I am open to all alternatives, which if you were, if I'd been here a year ago, and I think in our mm-hmm. conversations you could have probably picked up that I was not ready to go there. But it it's the amount of money that it takes to even get a company like this out of bankruptcy when there's so much, you know, like these bondholders, you know, they, they're going to get, you you probably have that 40 to 60 billion, arguably, somewhere in I mean, that that well, area to pay off all the victims, to buy, a, you know, the, the system. Well, and you they're mentioned- They're going to make out like bandits when it's all over, and people are going to go, what in the hell? Yeah, people are going to make money off this bankruptcy, for yeah, sure. No doubt. Yeah, and you mentioned- they did de- the last time, too. You mentioned deregulation, too. I mean, I think legislators back in the 90s thought they were doing the right thing, and they voted unanimously to deregulate the electricity market, and, of course, the, 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 the whole collapsed. Well. <laughs> so there must be a concern also about unintended well, consequences, yeah, right? No, I, I think there is, uh, and, and uh, on this one- if the bondholders do prevail in this one in bankruptcy court, and that's another thing that's kind of frustrating. I think it's certainly for the governor who gets blamed for so many things that he has absolutely no control over. It's just, it's, it's that's part of, of the job, though. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. But uh, some of the things I've read lately about, you know, what he's he's done, I know for a fact that, uh, you know, it's not, it's not even close. But the, 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 the point will be at what at, at what point. Can we have something, you know, better? It is probably when when you look at it, they they're probably behind. They say twenty years on their tree trimming, and then yet they don't have coated lines. If they at least have coated lines, particularly in these wooey areas, you know, and those lines drop on on tree. I mean, to me, yeah, I, I, I we, <laughs> we need some help. A lot to, to think about. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Say, Senator Bildad, thank you so much for coming down and talking with us. Time flies when you're having fun. Oh, amazingly. Amazingly. I did have fun. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks a lot. And that's it for this edition of Political Breakdown, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our producer tonight is Guy Marzarati. Our engineers are Rob Spate and Seal Muller. KQED's team includes Holly Kernan, Ethan Lindsay, and Vinny Tong. I'm Marisa Lagos. You can always find me at Twitter. I'm at M. Lagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at Scott Schaefer. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.com. 
org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.